When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. We're back this week with part two of my interview with Amy Stone, a life coach, not a therapist, as I incorrectly referred to her last time, who specializes in working with adults in blended families. Last week, we focused on my relationship with my fiance Raquel's younger children, This time we look at the relationships each of us has with the other's older children, as well as the relationship between us. You can learn more about Amy and the services that she provides on her website at amysaysso.com. I hope you enjoy our conversation, but first, the P.S. from this episode, it wasn't just about the money. Let's turn to older children because we have that in our blended family and maybe we have just about every potential combination (laughs) correlation of children. We have older children, we have younger children, children who live with us, children who live out of town. So let me start with my relationship with my fiance's older children. One is out of the house. She has a family of her own. And uh, another, the oldest, uh, has lived with us for a while. He had his own place, but lost it during COVID, but is about to move out. And, and uh, he's got a new job and he's, he's, he's about to start life uh, on his own. In the meantime, the third of the older children moved back in with us just recently. So she's back in the house. And I struggle a little more in terms of establishing a relationship with the older kids just because I don't see them as often. You know, they all, they have their own lives. When I first met Raquel, who was my fiance, her, the third child was still in high school, but the other two were out and gone. So what advice would you have for me as a step parent who may be looking to establish a closer relationship or a deeper relationship with older stepchildren? And before you answer, I should say, I feel I have a pretty good relationship with them. I guess what I would do is I would offer two things, right? And one is to give yourself some grace, right? As long as you're you know, acting from a spot of kindness and love, give yourself some grace that it's, it's going okay. There's no, it's not a contest. There's nobody giving any points. There's nobody who's going to stand up and say, you are the winner today of the Step Parent Award. And so it's important that we give ourselves a pass because we are the only people judging ourselves, right? And if we are just constantly saying, oh, should I be doing this better? Should I be doing this better? Should I be doing this better? It gets in the way of actually enjoying our life. The thing I would say is I would say, just be curious. I have this like sort of just belief that people really only want very few things from the people who are in their lives who care about them, right? They want to be, you know, seen as themselves, right? And, and you're in a unique position as a step parent to really do that, see them growing into these adults and be the person who is an adult to say, wow, I see this thing that you're becoming, right? They're, everybody else in their life has a different bias, right? Their mom is their mom. Your, your mom gives you a compliment. She has to, she's your mom, right? Like you right. discount it, right? And you're outside of that. Seen as yourself, heard, 
right? Being heard for what you want to say, right? And feeling like some, some love and some, some perspective there, right? And so when they're around, if you are just, you know, curious about what's going on in their life and operate from a position of just real curiosity, like, hey, so let's, I'd love to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then you listen, <laughs> you're ahead of the game. Okay. How does that land? Yeah. That lands very well. As I said, I've gotten to know them pretty well, and it's very different. Obviously, they don't look at me in any way as a parental yeah. figure, which makes complete sense, whereas the little ones, I think, do uh, to, a, to a greater degree because of their age. But yeah, that's that's very helpful, and yeah, I think very good advice uh, that I will seek to incorporate into our day-to-day uh, relationship. Now let's turn and look at things from my fiance's point of view. And here I'm going to have to speak for her, but my kids were older. My son was living in North Carolina when we met. He did subsequently move back to the DC area, Washington, DC, where I'm from. My daughter, on the other hand, was here and completing college before she moved out to Texas to be with her boyfriend, which she where she has been for the last two years. So for her, it's been a lot harder. She just has not had the chance to spend the kind of time that I have even with her older children, because they are around and have been in the house. If she were interested in forming a deeper relationship with my kids, and my son is, he'll be 27 soon, my daughter just turned 23, what kind of steps can she take? So yeah, this is a, this is like, we don't know. I don't know how she feels about it. This is an interesting thing because they are adults and they're going to have their own sort of box that they're going to put her in. And unfortunately, you know, they get to decide that and she's kind of stuck with it. This is a place where sometimes people are very, they feel almost uncomfortable in the situations when other people are around because they haven't gelled. They will maybe have a script running in their head about what other people are feeling, which is not necessarily true, or maybe it is, right? So a friend of mine who I was talking to the other day, his mom died several years ago and his father, he's my age, he's 48. So this is like a grown up situation. And uh, he went home for the holidays and he was telling me the story of going home for the holidays. And he said, oh, well, my dad's wife, she my stepdad, stepmom. I don't know why I feel weird about saying that. So what? And we talked about it. I was like, well, have you, she, has you ever asked her what she wants you to call you? And he's like, no, we've never had that conversation. He's like, I just feel super weird about it. And I was like, well, she might feel weird about it too. You know, like, cause you're really, she's not, you know, they were all adults. This is, you know, a totally new relationship. They all live in different States. So it is, it can be, there can be confusion and there can be discomfort. And so one of the things would be that if you're a safe space for your partner to talk about it, that's really good. Right. As you go in. So say you're going to an event in Texas with your family. And if if you're a safe space for her to talk to you about whatever might be on her mind beforehand, that might help a lot for how she feels going in because then she feels protected and and safe. And then the other thing that does just help, and it's really hard with adults though, is like when you do things together. So putting on your like camp counselor hat for a while, like if you go into one of these shared things and you set up an activity where they're going to get a chance to do something together, then they have something to talk about. So it's not like walking into a networking party where you have no information. You can then be like, oh, well, we watched this movie or we played cards together. It gives them a shared experience. Yeah, I I like that idea. And I don't know that I've ever really talked to Raquel about her expectations or fears or concerns as we head into a situation where she's going to be spending time uh, with my kids. So yeah, I think that 
just talking to her about it and it would be helpful. To what extent should I come at it from the other side? Is there any benefit in talking to my own kids about what they're looking for or? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, you know, as much as you can put things on the table and, and sort of open the door to conversation, the better, because if you don't, then like creepy little things get formed, which are not real. Right. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has a chance to say, like, say that, say there's something in common, like say your fiance shows up with flowers and like somehow that pushes a button on one of your kids' memories. And they're like, well, why is she doing that? <laughs> the reason she did it is because she thought it would be a nice thing to do. Right. But if you don't like open it up for people to talk about it, sometimes these things get blown out of proportion. And so it doesn't have to be a big, serious, heavy talk. It's just sort of opening the door like, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is what our plan is. Like, what would, you know, what do you, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any ideas? Does this sound fun to you? Like, is there something else you might enjoy doing? You can like, and, and just being on the lookout for the hot spots. Like, so if you're with your family and she feels like she's excluded, you can be on the lookout to make sure that you're doing things to make sure you include her because you have a closed network with your family because you grew up with them and your adult kids that she doesn't have. And, and likewise, like you can feel out what are the hot spots for your kids and try and avoid them. Let's turn and spend a little bit of time here before we have to end talking about parents in the situation, mm-hmm. partners in the situation. We focused almost entirely on children to this point. In your experience it, for parents in a blended family, or I shouldn't say partner, parents, partners in a blended family, because some people choose not to get married. What would you say is the number one communication challenge that your clients face? So there's a, a communication is really, really hard and you're a communication professional. So you've studied that, you know, like the, the amount of chance, like when somebody says, Hey, the sky is blue, there's a thousand different ways the other person can interpret it. Right. And so when you take that to talking about like other more complicated things, like communication can be very complicated. Right. But the number one thing that I think tends to get together in relationships where people are living together, adults and blended families is we make assumptions that the other person is experiencing the same thing that we are. And it's taking the pause to think for a second and allow the other person to truly explain what they are experiencing and how they are experiencing it. And so the sort of empathy of what somebody else is experiencing. So, you know, everybody, you, you guys go to dinner. Well, I mean, I, I'll give actually a really simple, because you're a journalism major, I'll give a really simple, like non-marriage related thing. You go to a fire and there's 11 witnesses to the fire. If you interview all 11 of them, they have a slightly different experience of what they saw. And so when you're communicating with your partner um, about a variety of things, it's that moment of pause, which is like, oh, wait a second, I really like the potatoes, but this person did not. Let me find out why. That is at the root of a lot of the conflict. So looking at something specific then in that regard, I would imagine adults and blended families like adults in any kind of a family, you know, one of the major issues is finances. In my particular situation, I moved into my fiance's home uh, nearly two years ago, and we agreed on rent that I would pay. Now, I think it's too much, and I suspect that she probably thinks it's too little, but we seem to have reached something of a detente on the issue. But I also feel like it, it is kind of simmering beneath the surface when bills come in that may be a little higher than we expect, a gas bill, an electric 
bill and so forth, I worry that she may be reluctant to approach me for additional money because there is this disagreement, I guess, about the the base rent (laughs) that I pay. What can I do to approach her that would lead to a constructive conversation and not break down into a fight? So the number one thing about not breaking down to a fight is that you just kind of decide beforehand that you're not going to fight, right? Like we're going to have a conversation and when it starts to boil, we're going to walk away. Money is the top point of conflict in every relationship, in high school friendships, in prom dates, in business partnerships, in families, in college roommates, in, I'm sure that, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's a top, top, top place that people find conflict. So just knowing that is like a big piece of working through it. Now, if you wanted a suggestion for how to start the conversation, one thing given the facts that you just gave me might be to say, hey, it's been two years. It, do we, would it be helpful if we sat down and looked at this again with the way things are? Right. So that's like a, like, I'll just throw that out there as an offering, right. as an opening, just as the, so in terms of talking about like money and stuff like that. So she's the, she owns the home that you guys are all living in, right? That's right. Okay. I would, I would look at it and just do some thinking on your own before you have the conversation, right? Is the issue actually about the numbers that are involved? Like, is it about the split? Is it about the money? Or is there something else that is underlying it? Because that is where money tends to get complicated, right? So if, the, if you peeled back the layers, if the issue is actually something else like, hey, you know, this is yours and not ours, that's a different conversation. If the issue is, I wish I had more say in how this was. So there's a bunch of different places that that could be showing up. So, cause the actual money split in terms of dollars and cents, if you do a, you know, if you are careful about having a conversation, you're just talking about dollars, this is never available dollars. This is the way we agree to split it. That can be a very calm conversation. But if it's a veil for a secret, you know that movie Animal House, like double secret probation, if it's actually a veil for the double secret probation conversation where you're speaking in code and the other person is not getting it, then it falls apart very quickly. You've raised a a couple of good points I want to dig a little deeper on. The, The first, well, the first is I guess I'll share that it is about the money, I think, for the two of us, although again, we really seem to have reached a, a detente, if you will, over over the uh, over the amount. And in fact, just recently, we just learned that her mortgage payment is going up because her escrow was too low, and you know, insurance and taxes have gone up. So we did agree that I would slightly increase the amount that I pay in rent to cover that increase in the mortgage. But below the surface, I think for both of us, it, it, it is a veil because, in my mind, I feel I pay too much in part because. I'm only one-fifth or one-sixth of the people in the house, and I am paying way more than that for the mortgage. So to a certain degree, I feel like I am subsidizing her children's housing uh, in the money that I'm paying, and I shouldn't really need to do that. From her point of view, I have an incredible deal because I live in a four-bedroom, four-bathroom house for an unbelievably low amount of rent. And she's, her argument is, well, if you left here and had to go get a place of your own, you would be paying way more than you pay now. So that's where we have kind of sort of met in the middle and we're sort of, we're, I guess we're, I don't think either one of us is angry about it. We're just sort of happily stuck there. But I do think it, I offered to pay more 
when she told me that her mortgage payment was going up, but we didn't open that up into a broader conversation about, you know, let's look at our budget and finances more broadly and really see what each one of us is paying for. I pay for our car insurance, for example. So there are other things that are going on. And I think based on your feedback here that I, I will use that as an opportunity to say, hey, let's sit down and really talk about this. Not in, you know, not in an angry way, just let's look at where we are and figure out what is fair. And maybe it's fair right now. And sometimes fair is tough to get, right? So in a blended family, fair can be like a, a wedge to cause a fight. And so in, uh, and the illusion of the happy finance nuclear family can get in the way. One of the things that's sometimes behind this in finances for blended family is that one person may have sort of a secret, unspoken sort of desire. Like I want you to be happy to pay for my family. And they don't feel like they can say that, right? And they also don't even necessarily think it's realistic, right? It's just like a secret unspoken kind of wish. Like I just kind of want somebody to be helpful and happy. And, you know, like if you really love me, you would pay all the bills, right? Like, yes. <laughs> nobody's gonna, like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna sound good when it comes out, but sometimes that's in there. And one of the ways it can be constructive with this is not going down the path of, I secretly dream that somebody will pay all my bills. That's not constructive. doesn't help anybody is the, Hey, what do we want to build together? Like, let's look for what we want to build together. Like how, what is our, it's our five-year plan? Like, you know, and, and then it's not shifting to like how we're currently splitting. It's how do we work together to get where we want to go? And it allows a little bit of dreaming and a little bit of visualization and a little bit of desire stating, which can be really helpful. Yeah, I think that will be. We talk about that sometimes, but really in very abstract ways and, and not in any real detail. And I do think for the time being, we're probably content to stay where we are, but it's it's something to discuss. I did once offer to buy into the house, you know, to give her money to essentially come onto the mortgage for some percentage, but she wasn't interested in that because I think she wants to maintain control, which, uh, which do you know why? I understand. Uh, no, I can't say that I do. Yeah. Sometimes like, so um, like, I, well, I'll, I'm going to segue into the next thing I think you're going to ask me about, which is common spots of conflict. Sure. Right. Okay. So control is one, right? Control mm -hmm. is a big one. And sometimes with control, people don't want to tell you why they want control, but it's a, it, it's a good idea to like, when you see that, like if you can ferret out, like, so as money is directly related to control and a perception of control. Right. And like, if there's something that happened in a past relationship, that she's got a fear of losing mm. control. If you know that, you can acknowledge it and be like, hey, that's why we're not going to do this. Right. 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 Because that's important to you. Right. So money is the top source of conflict. You guys have a pretty uh, simple uh, money thing that you brought me. Um, often it's the external houses and the past families and mm. the money split that is very complicated source of money woes. And it can get really, can get really complicated. So control, control is a sneaky little one that causes all kinds of things like that. So that's a big problem. Communication, which we talked about is a huge one. And then the last one, and this is actually, I'm interested to know what you think about my four, because this is a work in progress in, in coming up with this list. And I'll be honest, my husband does not think I have this quite figured out in a way that he agrees with, but the last one I put is trust. And so where I see this come up is that when we've got a blended family, usually one person, at least in the family, sometimes both, has some past things that they maybe don't want to repeat or the other person doesn't want to repeat. And sometimes there's a perception of 
failure or wrongdoings or mistakes that have been made. And so these issues of trust, like, do I trust this? Do I trust you that you're going to be there for me? All of those things, those things can tend to come up. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else that, that falls into a category of being that important. And from a trust point of view, in our own situation, one of the things I came into the relationship with was a very big concern that the Women, I had been two previous relationships. One was a marriage and one was, it, it got to an engagement, but never went any further. In both of those cases, the women were not interested in establishing any relationship really with my kids. And in fact, in many ways went in the other direction and looked for ways to sort of get between me and my kids. And I, I let it happen. It's my fault. And when I got out of my second marriage and realized the damage that I had been doing as a result of that behavior for for many years, I vowed to stop. And so when I was looking or you know looking ahead to the next relationship, my number one criteria was I want someone who is going to accept my children and not try to get in between me and them to the point where I got I went all the way in the other direction, you know, the pendulum swung. And when Raquel and I first started dating, any time I perceived even the slightest hint that she may be trying to do that, uh, I went off the deep end. In fact, in a couple of instances, almost ended the relationship as a result. I finally learned, though, as we got to know each other better, that that is the furthest thing from her mind. You know, she has she has no interest in getting between my kids. She, in fact, completely the opposite. She looks for ways to grow that relationship. I know she would like to have a, a healthier, deeper relationship with my kids too, and she totally recognizes that you know the, they're the most important people to me and she supports and nurtures that. So, but that only came with time and, and with trust that I could see that she wasn't doing that. And then my own hypersensitivity to that started to uh, go away. I do think though, that that may play a role to a certain degree, particularly with my daughter and her being very cautious about establishing a relationship with Raquel because she has been burned twice before. So I have been very careful to demonstrate to her that I'm just not going to let that happen. And I have been very lucky and fortunate in that I found someone who isn't going to do that to her the way these previous women did. When you say that she, that, so these were relationships where you were sort of getting too involved with the relationship and not then paying as much attention as you wish you had with your kids. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, it, it, it's, it's a hard line to, to draw because you're like falling in love. <laughs> and right. it's like such a passionate thing, you know, it just is like a, this huge thing. And so it's, give yourself a little bit of grace that you allowed it to happen. We are not perfect yeah. and really, really good that, that you picked up on it. So much of this process is working on ourselves and seeing what's going on inside and how, why we're reacting the way that we are and then dealing with the stuff inside us versus actually getting other people to do things. That's that pesky thing about growing up. But sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes yeah. it's really hard. Yeah, exactly. It is. Well, Amy, I have to say I'm exhausted. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Exhausted in a good way, in the sense that I feel like I've just had an hour-long therapy session where I have just sort of unloaded all of my issues on you, and you've been terrific in responding and providing me with some new uh, skills and, and and ways of thinking and advice on how to handle all the challenges that come uh, with living as an adult uh, in a blended family. It's just been a fantastic conversation. Thank you. Thank you. 
please, before we go, I will include this in the show notes too, but tell my listeners how they can reach you if they are looking for some of the same kind of help that you've given me today. Well, I think that this is the questions you put together. I just want to tell you, were really, really good. And this is a short and concise, almost like masterclass in, in some of the things that come up in a blended family. And you've got a very good view on what's going on in your family and which is good because you, you do, you have a big, busy family. I am going to guess that sometimes this is a little overwhelming and chaotic. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what I, I'm a life coach um, and I specialize in adults and blended families, which the reason I say it that way is exactly the scenario that you mentioned a couple of times in the interview, like people describe themselves in different ways. And so I say adults and blended families. And what I really specialize in is helping people enjoy and feel better in their life and in their home. Like, so reducing that stress, reducing the overwhelm, reducing the chaos, figuring out the things that they truly, truly crave to feel good and happy and enjoy their life and and help them make that happen. Mm -hmm. And people can find me. So my name is Amy Stone and my business is named Amy Says So, which is a play on that parental slogan of mom says so, right? Because I say so, which is hilarious because I never say that. But anyway, that's my business. Amy Says So. Amy Says So is my website. And I have a Facebook group that people can join for free if they want to poke around and get some free kind of advice from me and see the kind of things I do. So visit the website, find the group, and I would love to hear from you. Well, very good. Thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I loved it and I had a wonderful time. With this third episode in three weeks, I have kept my promise to make up for the episode I missed four weeks back, so please look for our next new episode in two weeks' time. As always, thank you to Jim Cirillo of jimmyandgroup.com for our original music, and to Rachel Greenberger for our original art. If you have any thoughts or ideas for topics you'd like us to cover or questions you'd like to ask, please send an email to wtswtgt at gmail.com, and please follow us on Twitter at wtswtgt. Until next time, always be positive.